I missed my fist bump this morning. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? If you ever noticed, every Sunday when Tommy Hall comes out of this choir loft, he comes by and he comes real close to me. I don't know if you know, but he gives me a little fist bump like that right there. So I missed it. Maybe I had to get one from you, Jason. I don't know. But um, this morning, uh, we're going to be continuing in the book of Acts. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Acts chapter 13. And we're going to be looking at uh, verses 42. Uh, through the end of the chapter, we're just to kind of sum up where we're at, uh, to remind some of us, and so for those who are guests, so you'll know what we're on, uh, Paul and Barnabas, two great Christian leaders, they're on their first big missionary journey, and their missionary journeys were basically these trips where they would go from place to place around the ancient Mediterranean and go and share the gospel uh, with people and let them know that the Messiah, Jesus, has come. And we've really been um, three weeks kind of in this, um, in this area, uh, Antioch of Pisidia. It's not the Antioch where they started, so that's why it's differentiated as Antioch of Pisidia. It was a different city, but they stopped there, and um, so Paul uh, begins to, he's the chief speaker, and he begins to preach. And so two weeks ago, we talked about how he uh, made some common ground with the people he was listening to. They were Jews. And so he said, brothers, long ago, our forefathers, and made all those connections, telling them about everything God had done from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and then on to um, the time that Moses brought them out of Egypt, and, and then on to the time of the judges, and then to the kings. First Saul, the, the king they asked for, wasn't the king that they needed. But then they got David, who was a man after God's own heart. And so we looked at how when we're witnessing, when we're talking to other people about the Lord, uh, we need to make those common connections with people. And then last week, we kind of looked at the bulk of the message where uh, he just said, hey, the Messiah is here. Jesus is here, the one that you have heard about, the one that you've longed for. He, is, he has come, and he died on the cross for you. And so today, uh, what we're doing is we're going to be looking at kind of the aftermath. What happens when you and I witness? When we share our faith, what comes afterward. And we'll see uh, what happened in this situation and how we can take that and apply it to our lives. So Acts chapter 13 and verse 42, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. If you would please stand with me in reverence for the reading of God's word. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous, so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourself unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. 
For when the Lord gave us this command, when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So that the Lord's message spread throughout the region. The Jews stirred up the influence leaders of the fighting a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust of their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and God, we, um, we just thank you for this wonderful uh, passage, uh, sharing how people respond to the gospel, what happens when, when they hear your word. And God, we pray that it would strengthen and encourage us in our faith, and that you would change us uh, through your word and make us more like Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Please be seated. So, we've... Uh, We've had a baptism, and we've had communion today, which means we've kind of gone long into our hour, and so I'm going to hit the high point, so, so track with me, okay? Um, first of all, when you and I witness, what we need to know is that there will be a broad variety, or there can be a great variety of responses to the gospel. Don't be surprised thing. In this passage, uh, we, we see all sorts of things going on. First of all, you get some people who are mildly interested. They had gone in the synagogue, and they had preached, and, you know, it was kind of like us. We go from Sunday to Sunday. Well, they went from Saturday to Saturday, and they said, well, this is kind of interesting stuff. So, we would like you to come back next week and talk some more to us. Now, that is a positive response to hearing the gospel. It's not a full-out commitment, but it's a, you know, this is, this is interesting. I need to think more about this, and... and and they said, we want to hear you again next week. Then the Bible says, but after those people said, let's come back next week. We want to hear a little more. There were some people who were intensely interested. The Bible says that they followed uh, Paul and Barnabas. You almost get the impression they would not leave them alone. The Bible says they begged them, please tell us more about this Jesus. We need to know who he is. And in fact, um, they became Christians because Paul ends up saying to them to continue in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, either in that first message in the synagogue or as they kept talking to them, these people, they were ready, they heard the gospel, they responded, and they became Christians. Then I imagine you had a lot of neutral people who just said, okay, you know, that was something, um, We'll be back next week. If they come again, I guess we'll listen again. And they did come back next week. And some of those, some more of those people who were neutral before or maybe kind of inclined toward listening to the gospel, uh, they became saved because we know more people accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. On the other hand, there were those who just didn't respond. They didn't get mean and ugly and hateful about it. They simply did not come to Christ. Then there was another step where there were some, the Bible says, who began to slander Paul and Barnabas, began to, to argue with them, to say, no, these fellows are wrong, they're not right. And this is, this is the next week when there's a huge gathering. Uh, Luke says, almost the whole city came out. I mean, everybody heard about this, and 
Lots of people were getting excited about Jesus, but a lot of people were getting angry about Jesus because they were invested in the old ways. They didn't want to change. They, they didn't want to believe that God had finally answered the prayers because they kind of liked things the way they were. And, and you get on this one extreme, the Bible says that there were some who uh, burned with jealousy. And different translations, some of them say righteous indignation. Uh, some of them say zeal. Some of them say uh, just, just they were angry. It's all getting at this idea that these people, boy, they were fired up. It's always important for us to remember that when we're fired up, that uh, it, there's a fine line between righteous indignation or being really fired up for the right reason and fired up for the wrong reason. See, even Paul himself, he had earlier persecuted Christians. He'd been on that side of being fired up against Christ. And that's what these people were today. There was a huge response. And so uh, we need to know when we witness, you can do it just the right way. And that is, you tell your story, you know what Christ has done and what he's done for you in your life. There's going to be a lot of different variety of responses, depending on who and when and all that sort of thing. And that's okay. Because your responsibility and my responsibility is to share our faith. Uh, secondly, we need to understand that um, all of us, we have a, um, a responsibility to share our faith, but how people respond is up to them. It's interesting in this passage, um, you kinda, you've got in Christian circles, especially the more theological folks who really love to debate doctrine, you've got people who talk about, okay, well, we're free to choose, and, and then we've got people who talk about, well, you're chosen, God chooses one way or another, who, who accepts, who rejects, and, and there's this big uh, fight that's actually kind of carried on among theologians for a couple thousand years now, it seems like. But it's interesting that in this passage, uh, you have the idea of people freely choosing and God choosing, both in this passage, and you got those ideas both in the Bible, and, you know, if the Bible's okay with that, is it, can't it be that we can just say, okay, if the Bible says it's so, it's so, and if we can't figure it all out, maybe that's okay. We just trust what the Bible says because the Bible says on one hand that there are some people, Paul said to these people who rejected the gospel, he said, you have judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life. In other words, Paul's saying to them, God didn't choose hell for you, you chose hell for you. God didn't choose to push you aside, you chose to stay outside of God's grace. You judged yourself unworthy by your own response to the gospel. You're going to be away from God. You're not going to receive eternal life in His grace. And so all of us have to stand before and we have to respond to the gospel message. We can choose to accept that message or we can choose to reject. Now, can we choose to accept on our own? No. But thankfully, the Bible tells us 
If I be lifted up, I'll draw all into myself. Jesus died on the cross. His Spirit is at work. And so when we respond to the Spirit's work, as He reaches out to us first, we can respond and we can reject Him. And just like those folks who rejected and judged themselves unworthy of eternal life, we can reject Christ. On the other hand, the Bible talks about in this passage that all those who were appointed unto eternal life, that, um, that they were saved, that they uh, believed that day, that they came into the body of Christ. I won't get into a long discussion, but just to say, you know what? From our perspective, as we present the gospel, we present it freely to every man, woman, boy, and girl. Here's the message of the gospel, and you have a response. Once you and I have received Christ, we know from God's word that we're one of his chosen. I don't have to figure that out and completely understand that to simply believe it and trust it. That God has called all people to make a decision for him, and yet those who have trusted in him are part of his chosen. Finally, I want us to think about when our responsibility for witness ends. Is there ever a point in our life when we say, I've done all I can do for a person? Well, apparently the answer is yes. The Bible tells us here that Barnabas and Saul, when they got done, when finally the people violently kicked them out of town, they said, okay. <laughs> and they shook, shook the dust off of their feet. And they left town. What does that mean? <laughs> we don't shake the dust off our feet, uh, except for, well, you know, like when kids are getting in my new car, I say, hey, knock the dust, knock the dirt, knock the mud off your feet. But uh, otherwise, it, has, it certainly has no theological implication for us about dust or dirt on our feet. But the Jews in that day had a, um, they, they had a custom. When they were away uh, from home, away from whether it be the Holy Land or even if away from their home within a Jewish settlement or community. When they would go away and they would come back, they would knock the dust off of their feet. And it was a symbol of they were leaving what was unclean out there in an unbelieving world, and they were not even going to carry that dust on their feet into their home and into their faith community. When Jesus sent out his disciples on a mission, it's recorded that where they were not received, where they were not welcomed, that they were to knock the dust off of their feet. And here, Paul and Barnabas do that same thing. What it appears to be is that you and I have an obligation to share our faith with all people, to share as freely as we can as God gives us the opportunity, as he gives us the direction. But there comes a point when someone uh, violently or obstinately or just continually rejects and says, no, I don't want to hear it anymore. We're not obligated to say, I don't care if you don't want to hear it, you're going to hear it. We don't have to do that. We can come to a place where we say, hey, we've done what we could. We've shared the faith. Uh, you've rejected it. We can still love that person. We can still pray for that person. And yet we realize there's a point where us sharing our faith anymore is not going to help that person. 
one last thing as we close out on this passage. The last verse says, well, let me, let's go back to the last two verses. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Why were they filled with joy? There were lots of people who rejected the message either violently or just, just ignored it. There were people that had persecuted the early Christians and, and had treated them badly. Why could they rejoice? Why were they filled with the Holy Spirit? Because they'd been faithful. When God's word goes out, there's always going to be some opposition. And yet, as we are ministering the gospel, as we are living it out, as we are sharing it, there will also be positive response along the way. And most of all, you and I have been faithful to our calling to share our faith with others. If we've done that, if we know that we're in the middle of what God has for us, then you and I can rejoice. We can have joy in the Lord knowing we're faithful to him. We followed him. And the results are up to God. You and I don't have to have all these fears we often have about sharing our faith. It's not about your strength or your eloquence. It's about God's power. It's not about uh, whether it's accepted or rejected. That's up to God. That's between God and that person you're sharing your faith with. It's about you and I being faithful. And when we've been faithful to God's calling on our lives, we can rejoice knowing he's with us, that we've pleased him, his kingdom is growing, and even the fact that there's opposition facing us is a sign that the devil's taking us seriously. If he's bringing opposition against us, if people are fighting, if, if they're not believing, if they're fighting against us, that means that side's taking notice that God is doing something in our lives. And as long as he's with us, we can rejoice. Bow with me in prayer today. God, I thank you um, for the opportunity that each believer in this place had somewhere along the way, and probably most of us many times along the way, we heard the gospel. You reached out to us first. And we responded in faith. We thank you that um, we can see ourselves now as part of your chosen people. Lord, not chosen by any merit on our part, anything special about us, but simply by your special grace and mercy. Lord, there are many who still need to hear your name. Father, help us to continue to share your grace, to go forth boldly and without fear. Lord, that the next generation might come to know Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.